Want to get the edge in your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle delved deeper into the data behind all of the Premier League matches every single game week. We combine Pinnacle's sharp betting markets with the game's latest analytical metrics to help you find value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to Game Week 12, EPL Insights, breaking down everything to do with this match week in the Premier League. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe with you again, and all is right in the Premier League world. Tottenham are no longer atop the table. Man City back where they're supposed to be, and a sense of normality to a certain degree, Jake, heading into this next game week. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, we've got the all too familiar sight of uh, Pep Guardiola at the top of the Premier League, haven't we? Um, here we were thinking we'd have a title race. Uh, it might be a case of think again. Yeah, no kidding. It happened in extraordinarily dramatic fashion on Monday Night Football. One of the most wild, bizarre games that you'll ever see in your life. And if you like football... Well, there wasn't much of it played whatsoever in a 4-1 Chelsea win over Spurs. I, I, I still feel like the Premier League world is still reeling from what we experienced. I know VAR has been in the spotlight for all the wrong reasons. I think it's absolutely ruining the game. And Exhibit A, B, C, and D uh, can all be applied for the way that that game played out. I, I know that Spurs have lost. We'll get into what this means for them moving forward. Some significant absences and injuries upcoming. But what did you make of that spectacle? Because like the entire spirit of the game is being torn away and the soul and the reason why so many people love to engage and watch this sport. It, it, it just what we saw on Monday night, I don't think is what any football fan wants to see. Um, I mean, on that occasion, if you just you know, put the neutral in front of the TV and they saw five goals, two red cards, four goals disallowed. Like, I'm pretty sure they'd have been like, that was a hell of an entertaining game. Uh, but yeah, for us football purists who just like to watch a game and, you know, I think the the, the thing with VAR, it doesn't really get a feel for how the game is going. And obviously it was always going to be quite a feisty match because of the rivalry between the two. Um, but for whatever reason, like they're just so quick to kind of make it 10 v 11 on, on such occasion, whereas perhaps, you know, is it needed? Could you go for a yellow card? And like we did, we saw the Newcastle Arsenal game the, the day before uh, on on the Saturday, where there were some really big tackles that were flying in. Um, that could have you, you know the Havertz one. You could have potentially said, yeah, that could have been a red card down the left hand side. But he kept the card in the pocket, and it made a more competitive game. Whereas that was just, yeah. Um, and then obviously the the disallowed goals left and right. I think in the end they played 111 minutes on the match. So there's 21 minutes at a time, um, which. I'm pretty sure that all the you know the the people who work in um, sports medicine and stuff will be telling everybody that even that extra 21 minutes will lead to a, an extra four or five injuries a season or something like that because of all the extra game that's been played, the stopping and the starting. So um, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's it's gone a bit overboard. It was supposed to be light touch, um, but it seems to be a little bit too hands on. Well, it, it, it's all the delays. It's, it's far too much. I believe that it was just 43% of the game was actually played on the field. The rest were like the ball of the play, review, cards. Like it was, it, it, there just wasn't much football to be played. And, and, and that's the thing. The, the strength of the sport is that there's flow. There's gen, generally rhythm 
where a lot of other North American sports is stop, start, stop, start. And that, that that's the beauty of the game. And when you take that away with so much lag time, when it's to do with everything but the play on the field, then that I think drives people away. And I think some serious discussions need to be had on how VAR is going to be used, how technology is going to be used and get back to the roots of what the game is all about. Hey, like you and I, like, when I was watching, it was all good for me. We were both backing Chelsea last week. So, I mean, that was fine. So we were kind of viewing it through a different lens. But I just don't think that when things play out that way, it's good for anyone involved in the game, Jake. Yeah, it just, you know, it, that becomes a talking point, doesn't it? Rather than, mm. you know, the, the mad tactics that Spurs were using or the fact that <clears throat> actually for most of the, for the first 25 minutes, Tottenham looked like the better team by, you know, quite comfortably. Um, but yeah, it just kind of all takes a backseat to the ongoing VAR and refereeing controversy. And, um, yeah. And then you had the similar in the Champions League as well with the handballs in the United Copenhagen game where it's just like, oh, does that class as a handball nowadays? Is the balls hit his hand? Um, I thought we got past that one, but yeah. Uh, I think we could spend all podcasts just, you know, Honestly, teeing off on, on VAR because it's become, yeah. My, my, my wife works from home and she was absolutely humiliated hearing me yelling at the telly for United <laughs> Copenhagen. And just, you know, wh- whether it's the Rashford sending off, whether it was the goal, United Fulham last weekend where the McTominay goal w- was chalked off because of a subjective, a subjective offside. Well, everything with VAR is subjective because essentially when you're looking for something, you're looking through a lens where you are going to be approaching it with a level of bias. And the only thing that's clear and obvious is that there's nothing that's clear and obvious, especially when you slow something down and you start making assumptions and things are taken out of context. It needs to stop. And that's what we experienced with the United game against Fulham on the weekend. Arsenal and Arteta are still fuming about what played out against Newcastle as well. So this is happening more and more. I don't know about you, Jake, but I'd just be happy if we understood that some referees are going to make mistakes in the game rather than allowing this sort of officiating from a video screen that lacks the context in order to decide who wins and who loses. And that's what we're seeing more and more often. And I, I just think that it's got to a serious review has to be had by footballing people. Is this the way that they want the game to go? Or maybe they've already gone too far. They've opened up Pandora's box and this is what we're left with. But it's a real problem right now. And it it complicates things for the sports better as well because how many games do you watch and you feel aggrieved by the result based upon some arbitrary decision that is not clear and obvious being made on a game-to-game basis? it's, It's just mad. It's gone too far. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned there that it was brought in to kind of reduce the number of errors made by ref- referees, but that hasn't worked because we're still seeing errors made by VAR, which oh. are the same referees that were doing it on the pitch before. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a scenario. I think, yeah, just hold your hands up, say it hasn't worked. You know, we're supposed to be reducing the errors, but even this year, this season alone, VAR have already had to apologise for about five errors, like <laughs> that were big errors. You know, Howard Webb comes out pretty much every other week now on the Premier League. Um, production show and, and explains and they, they have to give the audios and stuff and it's just you know this is what it was brought in to avoid and it's just not made a difference whatsoever so is it worthwhile well and and, and beyond just the spectacle the sports betting market like people that are engaged in it like like 
results, pe- people's wins versus losses, uh, they're dramatically affected by these decisions as well. And when it comes in the run of play, I think you can accept it. But when there's reviews and it becomes less clear, n- not more obvious, then that's a real problem as well. I, I think they need to be really careful. I know this c- conversation will continue. And it's not what we usually focus on in terms of the spirit of this podcast. But I think it's worth bringing up because it was a significant story in the game of the week on Monday Night Football as well as other games across the Premier League as well. Uh, last week, four wins, six losses for me. So a slight loss just in terms of uh, you might have the updated numbers about how we did last week. How did things look, Jake? Um, well, I've just got back off holiday, so I haven't had a chance to run those numbers <laughs> just yet. Um, but yeah, you are right. You had um, you had you had another good week, profitable week. I was marginally negative. Okay. Um, I had one of my bigger bets win, which kind of bailed me out again. Um, but yeah, I think I'm overall for the season. I've just dropped into the minus, so I do need to get my skates on. Catch you well, up. The, the good news is that you picked up another one on the head-to-head. I can't believe you did it because we were head-to-head Brentford versus West Ham. I was on the West Ham side. You gave me the draw. The draw was in play, and West Ham <laughs> went up 2-1 in that game, and somehow Brentford clawed their way back and won 3-2. Uh, so good on you for winning another one. West Ham have let me down back-to-back head-to-heads between you and I. And a couple <laughs> really – a couple really – it could have been a really big week for me in fairness – I had Man City, you know, winning to nil over Bournemouth and a useless goal in a 6-1 victory. And I had both teams to score no, Luton to Liverpool and Luis Diaz, which is a wonderful story. I mean, well, let, let me rephrase that. A very difficult story, but a good day for Diaz um, with his parents being uh, abducted by kidnappers. He, he came on late in that game and scored a late match winner or uh, late equalizer, I should say, as Liverpool played Luton Town to a 1-1 draw. That close to having just a big week on my end. Um, so I feel a little bit unfortunate. And I did say on this podcast, by the way, that I was tempted to make a play on Sheffield United to go out and win. I wasn't brave enough to do that. Um, and they did go on and win. So I should follow my gut, yeah, yeah. my instinct more, more often. Anything else that stood out to you about last week before we kick on with this week's, uh, this week's fixture list? Um, no, not, not really. I did. Um, you got done by the late Luis Diaz goal. I got done by the Darwin Nunes miss in that game, yeah. which would have made it 2 1, um, for Liverpool winning both teams to score. But which, di- which Nunes miss? Like, wonderful player, <laughs> but he's a human miss, isn't he? Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a good, he's, he's just, just pure entertainment to watch, isn't he? Like, he is, he is just chaos. When he's on the football pitch is the best way to describe him. I, I don't think he knows what he's trying to do when he's trying to do it. <laughs> Um, so the defenders obviously don't, and you know, one one dick game it'll it'll, it'll put something off like it in the Carabao Cup in midweek. Cuts inside, hits one in the top bin after a miscontrol in it, and then he'll miss a fairly easy chance. So, um, yeah, I do hope for his sake that he finds a bit of consistency because if he carries on getting in the same you know areas and getting on the end of the yeah. chances at the rate he is, he will score a lot of goals. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think he needs a couple to come off his bum or something to get him going. I quite like the player. I do. I, I yeah. actually rate him, and I think he will come good. Uh, just the physicality, uh, the mentality, the way that he plays, there's a lot to like. Just the finish not quite there yet in the young player's career. Uh, as always, uh, our lines are brought to you by Pinnacle. 25 years of having the best numbers on market. And the data that we use is provided by Understat as well. And after this week, a week off for us in this podcast, 
as we're heading into yet another international window. I don't think there's one for quite some time after this, and the busy holiday season will commence. So as always, a feature five will go rapid fire for the final five and share our best bets and our official plays along the way. So let's get into it, and let's start off with 14th place Spurs, uh, Wolves, I should say. Let me try that again. 14th place Wolves take it on second place Spurs. Wolves have the unenviable distinction of losing to Sheffield United. It did come with a little controversy, a late penalty given, a 2-1 victory for Sheffield United. Ollie Norwood with the winner. No clean sheets and nine for Wolves. They've gone over two and a half and five of six. Both teams to score has played in their last nine games. They are unbeaten in their last three at home, including draws against Newcastle and Villa, and they beat Man City. Those are not easy home fixtures that they've had to play through, and they've done really well. Um, they did lose to, to Liverpool in the game before that. 3-1 was the final, but they did score first in that game, and they conceded twice late beyond the 85th minute. Um, but they do have the sixth worst expected goals at home, and they have a bottom five expected goals against. Uh, Pedro Neto's still out. He's a significant loss for this Wolves team. For Spurs, the 4-1 loss to Chelsea, it was eventful. The first loss on the season, four VAR canceled goals, two players sent off, 21 minutes of time added on, seven cautions, and Spurs played a very high line in a partridge in a pear tree. A 4.06 XG for Chelsea, and like I said, the first loss of the season. Romero, Yudogi, both sent off and suspended. Van de Ven, a significant injury. He will be out, so that back line this week will look a lot different. James Madison was hurt as well, picked up a knock. His status up in the air, but it sounds like he should be good to go. Um, Richarlison out. Um, I don't want to get into his injury or how it happened, but uh, go on and Google it and look it up for yourself. Uh, Spurs have played over two and a half and six of eight. Both teams have scored in seven of nine. First to score in their last five games. They have four wins from six games away. It's the most away points, 14 goals scored and seven conceded. Head-to-head, one-nil home wins for both teams last season, and they played to under two and a half in six of seven. So we predicted maybe a little bit of a Spurs fade or at the very least recommended it. Now their, their, their team, which isn't all that deep, Jake, has been thrown into relative chaos based upon availability at the back. So what do you make of this game? What do you make of Spurs? And how do you make a play for this one? Um, yeah, it's a tough one to assess given the amount of injuries and I guess you could say the importance of injuries as well because, you know, Van der Ven has probably been one of the better signings of the season so far at centre-half. Romero, you're basically taking out both starting centre-halves, which is always difficult for any team to kind of come um, come back from. But also you've got suspended left-back, which means you might have to play a right-footer at left-back, which throws the what had become a fairly solid defensive unit massively out of whack. And um, while the top end of the pitch should be okay, I think that they're expecting you know Son, Kulosevsky, Brennan Johnson, Madison is 50-50. Uh, but he's been 50-50 pretty much every game this season and he's started pretty much all of them. Um, and you know, he's still got Basuma and Saar in there. Uh, it is a difficult one to gauge what we're going to get from Tottenham. But I, what, I, what I think will happen is... Spurs, I think Postacoglu's kind of said it, they won't change for anybody. I think they'll carry on trying to play the same manner of football. Um, and I think this could be a game where they get exposed um, just because of those injuries. They're not having the players there to maybe play that that system as well. 
uh, as the other players that, that are missing. And yeah, I just my only nagging doubt is I can't really trust Wolves. I don't. I personally don't trust Wolves to get a um, massively positive result. Um, but I think they can contribute to a high-scoring game. I, I'm taking the overs in this one. I think Spurs have shown enough going forward. I think this is going to be a game where Postacoglu looks at it and goes, if we're going to win this, we're probably going to have to outscore as opposed to keep at arm's length. You know, you look at the recent wins at Luton, home against Fulham, it was very much built on a solid back line. Um, I think this could be more like a Burnley away where yeah, the home team, in this case Wolves, are going to maybe score one, two, and Spurs are going to have to outscore um, and, you know, fortunately for them, their forward line is fairly untouched in terms of the injuries. And I think they will create enough chances against a Wolves team that have been very vulnerable at the back. So um, the line's set at three, getting a plus number for over three. And that, that's going to be my play. Excellent. I was thinking along the same lines, but the, the line has moved and it shifted out a little bit because I was thinking both teams to score in over two and a half. It was available last night at minus 110. It shifted out to minus 118. It's not it's not a massive difference, but I was hoping for a better number for that to come through. So instead, I'm I'm just gonna play Wolves on the Asian handicap um in this one. It's gonna be Wolves at plus 0.25 at plus 102. It's actually crazy when you look at the market. You know, the second place team that's only lost one game on the season at plus 116 for Spurs, but with David, Davidson Sanchez coming. Who's going to play center back? I I, I just can't. I, I just can't do it, Jake. I I I I can't pull the trigger on that number on a Spurs side that I think is not rode their luck so much as to play to their maximum through the first ten eleven game weeks of the season. So uh, Wolves, as I said, some really good results against good teams at home. Uh, let's keep that trend going. Plus 0.25, a little bit of a bounce back after the setback last weekend at Sheffield United. I like these bounce back spots. So uh, Wolves on the handicap, plus 0.25 at plus 102. So we're both on plus numbers for this first game. Um, yeah. Anything to add here or can we move forward? Like Spur, like it just the international break's coming at the right time for Spurs. L- l- let's put it that way. I don't think that all is lost, but this week I think is going to prove very difficult. And they are the sweetheart club, like the pundits all praising them, playing a high line. I thought it was crazy how they were playing, but, uh, you know, who am I to say Me that? Too. Yeah. I just you know. High line with 11 is one thing. High line with like eight is, um, yeah, something different. Yeah, um, yeah it's bonkers. Uh, it's, like I said, made for an entertaining watch. We just made it really easy for Chelsea, you know, to ultimately get the win. But as we've said, he, he's a very stubborn most – most managers nowadays are very stubborn in the way in which they play. Way which they want to play, um, and you get stuff like that that happens occasionally. It looks proper wacky, but yeah, probably going to be an Eric Dyer sighting this week. Well, it's, it's, it's been yeah, a while, I think so. I, I, all the projected lineups I've seen is going to be an Eric Dyer and Hoiberg centre half pairing. Which, wow, um, yeah, again leans towards <laughs> the overs angle, a goals angle. Um, yeah, it's. It, it, I think you have to, I, I'm not going to say feel sorry for Spurs fully, but that, that to have all these injuries at the same time and suspensions at the same time is a little bit of bad luck. And um, like you said, the international break probably comes at a good time. If they could scrape a win here, I think they'd be in a great position going down to uh, towards the Christmas period. 
Agreed. Uh, speaking about players that are injured, I mean, Manchester United dealt with it earlier in the season. Newcastle is going through it right now. Chelsea have, have gone through it as well. Look like they're starting to come out the other way. Uh, let's move things forward. Also on Saturday, it's eighth place Manchester United taking on 17th place Luton Town. United with a 1-0 victory over Fulham. I love the smirk already if you're watching on YouTube. Thank you very much, Jake. A late Bruno Fernandes winner, really good goal by the captain. And it's the second time they scored a 90th minute goal to win a game this Premier League season. It was a difficult watch. It was a difficult one, but important three points for Manchester United. Their last seven Premier League wins for Manchester United have come by just a goal. So they played a lot of these close, edgy games. At Copenhagen, it was dramatic. It was wild. It was criminal. A 4-3 loss to Copenhagen. An emotional night where they're up 2-0. Marcus Rashford should have never been sent off. Then two goals scored. One, a player was clearly standing in an offside position, affecting the goalkeeper. The other, a, a dicey handball as well. But still... Another loss for Eric Ten Hag. Manchester United have lost more games than they've won this season. They've also lost three of four in all competitions, and they played to over two and a half somehow for a team that has a real difficult time scoring goals. Over two and a half in six of eight. They've lost four of their last six games at home in all competitions at Old Trafford. 3-0-3. And the, the fourth worst expected goals against at home as well. Casemiro's being announced. He's out till the new year. Johnny Evans went out Wednesday, which John, but he's the preferred left side center back for now for Eric Ten Hag. Anyways, uh, Luton Town, a 1-1 draw with Liverpool. Tahith Chong, a former United player, a goal in the 80th minute and the Diaz heartbreaker late. Uh, they haven't won in five, no clean sheets in 14. Both teams to score have played in five of six. They have a 15.25 expected goals. For context, Manchester United, 15.69. They're not that far off in terms of that statistic provided by Understat, but only Sheffield United has a worse expected goals against and a 19.54 expected goals away is by far the worst in the Premier League. Um, what do you make of this one? As I continue to say, no team is more difficult to bet against or for the Manchester United because there's some talent there, but you just don't know what you're going to get and whether the talent's good enough to help them go on and just win games outright. They're at home, Luton Town, heading into the international break, setback Wednesday. There has to be a Manchester United play, isn't there? Um, I won't be taking one. <laughs> Um, no, I, I will not be taking any. How crazy United. does that sound? I'm not yeah. going to make a play on Manchester United at home against Luton Town. No, I know it's. It, 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 I didn't think when we started the season that I would be saying um, these words, but I'm going to be taking Luton on the handicap at plus wow. one and a half. Um, and you know, you mentioned it there. Luton have created chances. Uh, they've also conceded a lot of chances, but Man United have really struggled recently to create good opportunities and ultimately score goals. You know, I was very surprised in midweek watching Copenhagen, just how high a line they played. And that, that I think that's the only way this Manchester United team are going to be able to create chances on a consistent basis is to sit and counter-attack with the space because that, that allows Hoyland, it allows Rashford, it allows Fernandes to, to drive forward and get into really promising positions. And I, obviously Luton aren't going to do that. They're going to sit deep and they're going to try and counter-attack. And, you know, it, it's backfired on them a few times already this season. You think of away games at Brighton, um, where you know Brighton absolutely shredded them. But 
other than that, I mean, they've been very competitive in pretty much every game they've played. Um, obviously, a huge draw against Liverpool at the weekend, which kind of shows that they are capable of mixing it with this kind of calibre of teams. Um, I know they were probably fortunate to come away with a point, given the amount of chances Liverpool squandered. But again, Liverpool's attack is just different level to Man United. Um, and, you know, even Aston Villa going there winning and losing 3-1, Conceded three expected goals, but Villa are just a better team. They function in a better manner in attacking areas. I just don't trust Manchester United to score enough to to cover this handicap, personally. I could see them winning 1-0, and I would still take that because that would be a win for me. Um, but I, I just, you know, I would be surprised if they went 1-2-3. I also can see Luton scoring. Um, this makeshift back line, I guess it's not makeshift anymore if Baran comes in. Alongside Maguire, um, he still does he persist with Diego Dallo at left back because he was clearly targeted by Copenhagen in midweek. You know they 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 saw a weakness in Dallo and he's at fault for both of the goals at the end because yeah. he wasn't tracking his runner that came past him who tapped the, the, the goal into the third and yeah he he got really deep for some reason for the fourth goal which eventual winner which played everyone on side so horrible <laughs> I, I yeah and it was but, bad you know, you've got a left back in Region sat on the bench. Why is he not playing? Um, so, yeah, I think that there could be some cuteness from Luton um, to attack that left-back spot from crosses in particular because I do, I just think they looks very vulnerable, Dallow. Um, for whatever reason, I guess he's always going to become uncomfortable right-back playing left-back, but he looks extra uncomfortable um, to the point where I think Luton could have a bit of joy playing down that line. So I was also maybe looking at, I don't think the, the markets are up at the moment, but um, Luton's right winger Ogbeni um, he's played really well this season I've liked what I've seen he's really good in the championship I, I won't put anyone off backing him to maybe grab a goal down that that right hand side of Luton um, and yeah just getting in behind the likes of Dallow or Reggio whoever it is and I think you, you know I, I can't quote the price because it's not here yet but over here over in the UK we've got around plus a thousand for him to score any time which is a huge game a huge price and if you can get that on pinnacle I will probably back it down to maybe plus 700 for a small play um and see how we go but the main bet for me is just looting on the handicap but because I just don't trust Manchester United's attack okay um I, I get all that. But by the way, United, after the international break, if they get back Shaw and Molassia, I think this team will be completely different. I keep on banging on about it all week. Not having a proper left back has just absolutely destroyed the balance of this team, both from an attacking perspective and defensive perspective this season. But come on, like United have played poorly at Old Trafford. They put a lot into the game on Wednesday. Decisions refereeing to say they've conceded four penalties in four games in the champions league how many of them were deserved one out of the four and in the premier league no team has been on the wrong side of var decisions than manchester united it's not even close this premier league season come on now like the context needs to shift luton town coming to old trafford i cannot see them scoring a goal i i i circled United on the spread here. I don't want to do it because I don't want to go head to head here because I'm not sure you're right. I'm not sure if they can score. They might come out with emphatic performance. That's what I'm expecting, but I think it's a better play and you're getting more juice on it to play United win to nil at plus 134. That's my play in this game. I know that Luton Town's attacking numbers are being quite decent, but they're going to Old Trafford here. They're going to be up for it, but it, come on. Like, United have enough in this game to go on and beat Luton Town. 1-0, 2-0. I, I, can't, I can't back Luton Town in this game. Luton Town at home, different story. Luton Town going away from home in this game. 
Uh, United win to nil at plus 134, a full unit play. I'm, I'm not going to overthink this. It's just, it's time. It's time. And United gave me the late win last week against Fulham when I backed them. So, um, and look, they're not yeah, that far off the top four in the Premier League. They need to keep this going. This is a must win. Close down shop, uh, going to the international break, and understand coming out of it, you got some big games. Everton, Galatasaray, uh, the first two coming out of it. But th- this should be a layup. This should be a gimme. Uh, so that's how I'm playing it. United win to nil. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, one nil, Man United were both happy. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I just watching United. How can you have any confidence in them at the moment? Like, you don't. Stop, no matter who they're playing, you don't. You know? But there, there, there's enough talent to go on um, and, and win this game. And McGuire's play like there's been some better individual performances. So, and if you can't respond after what happened midweek, well, then you're not responding at all. <laughs> uh, Liverpool Brentford plays on Sunday. Liverpool third in the table. Brentford ninth and really trending in the right direction. As for Liverpool, a disappointing 1-1 draw at Luton Town. Diaz goal saved it late. It was the 24th shot of the game for Liverpool. Um, and it was their latest match, uh, match equalizer since 2015. They failed to win their last four away games to newly promoted sides. That's just a wild statistic for Liverpool. Nunez had nine shots in that game, which is the most by a player this season in a game. Uh, Liverpool now haven't lost in their last nine. They do play Toulouse away on Thursday in the Europa League, and we're recording this before that game's played. Um, McAllister suspended this weekend. Graven Birch is injured, so he will be out. So the central midfielder, Curtis Jones, is still out as well. He's going to be a little bit light. They do have the best expected goals in the Premier League at home. Anfield, we document this every week. It's a fortress. Five wins from five, 14 goals scored, just two conceded. The second best home expected goals and expected goals against. As for Brentford, 3-2 victory over West Ham. It was wild because they scored first. They went down by halftime and they still came back to win the game and giving Jake um, a much-deserved another head-to-head victory between him and I in terms of our plays. Three straight wins for Brentford. They do have the sixth best expected goals, courtesy of Understat, and the sixth best expected goals against, and the fourth best away expected goals against. They do, however, have a number of injuries that continue to mount. And I'm not talking like the big dogs that went out early in the season. Now, Damsgaard, De Silva, Hickey, all out for this game as well. Head to head, it was a 1-0 home win for Liverpool in this fixture last season. Brentford doesn't have a clean sheet in four against Liverpool. I know you're high on Brentford. We, we both liked them last season. We both liked them this year as well. But going to Liverpool, it's a difficult spot for them, isn't it? Just It's a difficult spot for anyone going to Anfield. But based on the absences for both teams, how do you see this one? Yeah, the, initially I was thinking I want to get maybe a pro-Brentford pick on here, but... Yeah, the, the, the injuries that are mounting for Brentford, the fact that Liverpool just are just chance generation monsters at the minute means that I, I don't really want to be looking at a Brentford handicap kind of play. Um, instead, I'm, I'm going to go with the same bet that I had last week, which, you know, if you look at the XG totals, it should have won. Liverpool created more than enough to, to beat um, Luton with the both teams to score coming. Um, and this week... Yeah, I'm taking the same. We've got a bigger price, plus 166. Obviously, Brentford are a better team than Luton. Um, 
But yeah, you look at Brentford recently and, and you're right, they've got a couple of injuries, but they, they're creating a lot of good chances. And I think they will continue to do that because I think they're an awkward attacking team to play against. You know, they can mix up the way in which they go about their um, their business. You know, they can play in a direct fashion, cause teams to have to spin and, and run backwards facing their own goal, which is always difficult. They've also got some players that can play some um, defence splitting passes and, you know, come in from the, a bit deeper. So I do like their chances of creating and scoring against Liverpool at Anfield, especially because of those injuries you mentioned for Liverpool and, and the, the omission of, of McAllister, who's been really good in that kind of deeper role. So it'll be interesting to see how Klopp shuffles his pack, especially with a midweek match as well. So, um, yeah, and Liverpool, for whatever reason, they just, you know, they'll, they'll probably score three or four every home game, apart from maybe two or three against the better teams. But there's all, you always get a chance against them at the minute. Always get a chance. Uh, and a team of Brentford's quality and calibre, who so far this season have performed like a top seven team on the underlying data, I think they could maybe cause, you know, a little bit of panic at a certain point for Liverpool. And, you know, if maybe Liverpool two up and Brentford get one and it becomes a little bit hairy towards the end. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a unit on Liverpool to win and both teams to score. Okay. Uh, I, I understand why you're making that play. I'm, I'm not, I'll be quick on this. Um, I think this is a real tough spot for Brentford coming off a dramatic win last week. Liverpool, you said it, chance creating machines. And I think they're going to have to outscore some of their midfield problems this week. And I think they'll be okay with it. I like Liverpool to score over 2.5 goals at plus 126. Need to score three in this game. One nil last. I can't believe I, I watched that game start to finish. I was invested in Brentford covering the spread last year in that game. And they went on and did it just barely. But Liverpool had a ton of chances in that game. Flecking the goalkeeper, he came off. I think he's dealing with a little bit of an issue as well. So um, I think it's going to be a tough one for Brentford going to the most difficult place to play in the Premier League. I think Liverpool will score goals. Um, so Liverpool will score over two and a half at plus 126. Let's keep things moving. Also on Sunday, it is Aston Villa and Fulham. Villa. A shock 2-0 defeat at Nottingham Forest. It snapped an unbeaten streak of six in all competitions uh, for Aston Villa. Four straight home wins, however, for the Villa. They play home against Elkmar on Thursday in the, in the um, Conference League. Their last three home results in the Premier League. 3-1, 4-1, and 6-1. Wow. Uh, they have five wins from five at home in the Premier League. 20 goals scored. And four conceded. The 20 goals scored at home is the most in the Premier League. And they're the third best home expected goals as well. Obviously, that was helped by the six goals that they put past Brighton. A Fulham, a 1-0 loss to Manchester United. They're winless in their last 18 against United. That's crazy. Uh, no clean sheet in their last seven games for Fulham. And only one win and five goals scored in six away games played in the Premier League this season. Um, Villa, Fulham, do you have a play in this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know they let me down last week, Villa, with the performance against Nottingham Forest, but I think they are a completely different animal at home. Um, you, you read out some of the score lines there. I think they've won about 63 consecutive home Premier League games now, or it feels like that anyway. I can't remember the last time they didn't win at Villa Park. Um, but yeah, they, they, they are a dominant home team. Um, they've so far, Across that run of winning games, which I think is around 13 or 14. 
made mincemeat of lesser teams. And I think Fulham um, are a team that will probably finish in that kind of gap between the relegation zone and maybe 12th. Um, and this is the kind of game that Villa should be winning, should be winning fairly comfortably. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take the handicap Villa um, with the lines at minus one. And it's a flat even money as well, which I think is a really good price because taking the minus one obviously means if Villa win by one goal, we get our money back. Um, so we don't even yep. need them to go crazy to, to avoid losing money. But the way in which they're playing at home, they're creating loads of good chances. But also they're conceding very few chances at home as well, which is also a massive positive um, especially coming up against a Fulham team that aren't creating much themselves. So I was toying between the minus one or the win to nil. Um, and I just thought minus one, just I just get a little bit extra security in case Fulham do a little backdoor cover and score a late goal like so many teams uh, have done at Villa Park this season. We're on the exact same train of thought, but I'm actually going to go Villa win to nil. For me, it's just worth the risk. at <laughs> plus 195. Uh, Villa, you're right. Just the third best expected goals against at home they don't concede chances and they should go on and win a game like this i just have no faith in this fulham attack like some good players in the team i I think they play some decent football at times except just don't have that natural finisher do they and i think it's going to be a tough one for them to go to villa so villa went to nil at plus 195 no need to dig too much deeper in this one um pick the better that, yeah. yeah, that was a one and a half unit play for me. So that was one and a half. slightly more. Yeah. Wonderful. I, I, mine was one or, one or the other, and I just decided to um, go with the bet that's going to give me the most juice in this game. And three, one, four, one, six, one, just get rid of that one. <laughs> I think that'll be <laughs> a focus for you and I, Emery, in this game as well. The fifth and final game in our feature five should be a good one. 10th place Chelsea taking on top of the table, Manchester City. At the bridge, Chelsea 4-1, a victory at Spurs. Jackson with the hat-trick, two games, two goals coming beyond the 90th minute. They had a 4.06 XG in that game. I had to check that three times. I'm like, Chelsea with an XG like that? Well, thank you very much, Spurs, for playing so wide open. One loss in all competitions. That's it over their last seven for Chelsea as well. Chelsea do have the fourth best overall expected goals, courtesy of Understat at 23.29, but have just scored 17 goals on the season. They do also have the fourth expected goals against. They have three losses and a draw in their last four Premier League games at home. They need to turn around this home form. They want to pick things up this season. One, two, three uh, overall with just six goals scored at home in six games and just seven conceded, but they do have a 12.26 expected goals playing at Sanford Bridge. Uh, Brogia looked like he's going to be back and available, which will certainly add a little bit more punch to their attack for Chelsea this week. A City coming off a 6-1 demolition job over Bournemouth. They have 22 straight home wins in all competitions, and that's second best all-time for a Premier League side. Dating all the way back to 1890, Sunderland had a streak that 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 stretched 24 games. Uh, Doku, what a player, what a pickup. Like, they just... Keep on finding these guys. At 21, became the youngest with five goal involvements in a game. He's had a goal and four assists against Bournemouth. Uh, City also smashed Young Boys 3-0 on Tuesday. Uh, An early call and brace. It was an easy outing for them. Five wins in a row. They've gone over two and a half in five of five. Most goals and fewest conceded is a recipe for success in the Premier League. 7.8 expected goals against in 11 Premier League games. That is best in the Premier League as well. 
Uh, three wins, three losses, however, in their last six in all competitions away from home. That's the one kind of like stain on the record. They have 12 away goals, but they do have the best expected goals away from home in the Premier League and have five expected goals more than any other team. And the 3.74 expected goals against away from home in six games in the Premier League is absolutely minuscule and clearly the top uh, tops in that category. They do have two important defender, uh, important defenders out. John Stones out again and Akanji is out as well. Head to head, a pair of Man City 1-0 victories last season. Six wins in a row head to head City over Chelsea. No goals conceded by City in their last six. And these two sides have played to the under two and a half in six of seven. So there we go. Um, some issues and Stones and Kanji out, but. Is that reason enough to not play City in this game? Or is there something about Chelsea that you're liking right now? Um, yeah, I, I honestly just think this is an automatic City win at this price. How can you not back the best team in the league away from home at a very backable price? Like We very rarely get to see these kind of prices for City just to win the game. You know, I think they were even still way shorter at Manchester United. Um, in the end, they were favourites to off, uh, to win at Arsenal. I, I think this is a, just a huge price. Um, I think that Man City, you mentioned it there, the defence has been proper calling card for a while now where they just don't concede chances. Um, but it's not by, it's not suffocation by possession. It's just the, for what, the, you know, the, the way in which they structure that, that little midfield block. So it means they win the ball back very quickly. It means you, you don't get many chances to break and create chances. And, um, yeah, I think, I think this will be a test. I think Chelsea are good enough to cause a few issues, but uh, I need to see more from Chelsea really to, to, to have me thinking that they can cause what would be a huge upset and, and beat the best team in the league. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Man City to win the game at minus 126. I'm doing one and a half unit on that. Um, and I'm also going to play half a unit on City to win to nil um, mm. at plus 229, where, you know, you just look at City's, you mentioned the underlying data, like they're conceding less than 0.7 expected goals against per game, which is just ridiculous. And if you look at the recent away trips, They've been to Man United at 0.7 XG. They went to Arsenal because he had just 0.4 XG. They went to Wolves, 0.6 XG. West Ham, 0.9. Like, they just don't concede chances. Um, and Chelsea, yes, they've shown flashes. Yes, they've had a couple of interesting, really high XG numbers, XG figures. That 4 XG against Spurs is massively contextual where you need to look at the fact that, you know, two red cards, um, silly high line, basically, as soon as they get through one-on-one, they were squaring yeah. it for an open net tap-in, which is a really high XG chance. Um, <laughs> then you're not going to get a lot of those against Manchester City, unfortunately. Um, yeah, in fact, in Chelsea's home record in general, like, it's been a really horrible place for them to play football. They've not enjoyed it at all. They won three of 18 this calendar year in the Premier League, um, which is pathetic, quite frankly. One of those came against Luton. One of them came against Crystal Palace when Patrick Vieira, uh, before he got sacked, um, so yeah, they, they've really struggled just in general playing at home, whether it's just a feel fact, the factor around the club, the, the, the fans just getting on the backs, whatever, I don't know. But 
Um, I think City's class will tell. Uh, I, you know, they had a, very, a fairly easy midweek as well, so you can't even point to the fact that they played exactly. midweek. It was, a very, it was a stroll in the park. They had a stroll in the park last weekend against Bournemouth. They had a midweek off the week before that because they were in the Carabao. This is a team that, yeah, they've got a few injuries, but their stars are rested. They've, they've had a little rotation. Um, they'll be absolutely fit and firing for this. And, and you know, they're a team where they've got their foot on the Premier League's throat at the minute. Even, I know they're only one point clear, but they'll want to really stamp authority. Mm. Um, you know, the, the Arsenal, Liverpool, challenging Tottenham being up there. Like they, they are a team that will squeeze that foot down very quickly and run away with this league. And I could see them going to Chelsea, winning very comfortably, and, and you know potentially going into the into the international break with a you know a bigger cushion than than the than the, uh, the one point they currently have. So yeah, I'm t- two plays, one and a half unit on the straight City win, a half a unit on the City win to nil. I, I like both of those plays. I'm going to provide an alternative play in this one under two and a half at plus one hundred two. I just Whenever Pochettino plays Guardiola, I feel like these games play out. Chelsea, City, six of the last seven have gone to the under. Last season, a couple 1-0 victories. It's never like free-flowing, high-scoring games between these teams. Just um, That's what the data shows as, as, as well as just my own, the eye test. And the fact that City, like we've documented, just concedes so few chances – Against a Chelsea team that struggles to score goals, find the back of the net with regularity, I think is a recipe for an under here. Unless it's like a Cole Palmer revenge guy. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not betting on that. So at plus 102, good number as well. So, you know, I think people are thinking, oh, Chelsea scored four and City, Holland and this team. I, I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than that. So let's go with the under in this one. Um, I might actually hold off making this, this official play right now. I might wait a little bit because I think this market could even move a little bit more as the public dollars come in on, on backing potentially over two and a half in this game. So we'll see. I'll monitor it, but I'll definitely be making a play for the under and for this podcast. We will lock it in at plus 102 and, uh, under two and a half. Uh, shall we move on to rapid fire? Let's go. Yeah, let's Arsenal, Arsenal and Burnley. Oh my God. Ugh. I don't know how you back Burnley, but Arsenal have a number of players. You backed them last week. I know, but I'm, I'm not going to do it again. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Did I back them last week? Oh, they, they were yeah, my yeah. alternative play to Sheffield. Burnley at home to Crystal Palace. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, that was a mistake. <laughs> um, but Arsenal have a number of players who are questionable this weekend. Odegaard and Kedia, obviously Jesus missed out midweek. Saka came off. Tomiyasu looks like he's out this week. I'm not sure that, that, that that's enough to put me off making some kind of Arsenal play. Well, actually, it isn't. Uh, I'll let you go first. Do you have a play on this one? Yeah, I was looking at Arsenal on the handicap, minus two. I mean, that price is too big. I think the line should be two and a half. I think there's a bigger gulf in the teams than than this. Um, yeah, I think Man City have shown again that they are probably a little bit better than Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I still ask the question, what would Man City be at home to Burnley? They'd probably maybe plus two and three quarters um, to, to cover against a Burnley team that you know not only do they look kind of out of the depth generally in the Premier League, but they've been absolutely slapped by all the big teams they've played. Um, and, you know, and, that, and most of them have been at home as well. Like they very rarely have they travelled to a, a big a big team, um, you know, top six caliber team. Three nil by City, three one Villa, five two Spurs. 
uh, 2-0 Newcastle, 4-1 Chelsea, 3-0 Brentford. Like I could see a very similar kind of result. Um, you know, obviously with the minus two, you'd need Arsenal to win by three goals to 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 collect a profit, two goals for a push. Uh, but at a plus number, I'm willing to to give this a try. I'm on a theme right here. I, I played United win to nil, Villa to win to nil, both at home. Home Arsenal win to nil in this one I, against Sevilla in the Champions. They gave it one shot. Like Sevilla had an xG in that game of like point zero two. Like. You're telling me Burnley's going to go to the Emirates and score as long as Saliba and Gabrielle are playing like at home that they just don't give up very many chances whatsoever. So I have no idea what their attack's going to look like with so many question marks around attacking players, but they'll have enough. Certainly. So Arsenal went to nil at minus 113. Get on it. It was minus 111 last night. Uh, this line is moving in one direction. So if you like Arsenal went to nil, do it soon or live with the regret. Crystal Palace Fulham. What do you make of this one? This one for me is a no bet. No bet. It's a tough I, one to call. Um, I like, I like what I'm seeing from Everton in general. I think they're a team that we could definitely see, um, you know, climb well out of trouble into mid-table. But Crystal Palace, they, they surprised me. I wasn't expecting such a comfortable win away at Burnley. I know Burnley, are, as we've just discussed, aren't very good, but they caused, you know, they, they surprised me. Um, I think Roy Hodgson's still got a few tricks up his sleeve, and yeah, I don't know if they're welcoming back any of their star players this week, but. Even so, at home, that defense defensive side of the game has looked very solid. Um, and yeah, you still, you know, I still want to see a little bit more from Everton, just a bit of consistency. Well, Aze's back. Um, this game, like the, the, the market is like hammering the under. Uh, right now on Pinnacle, under 2.25 is at minus 119. And I agree with that assessment. I mean, it, Crystal Palace, very stingy, very good defensively. And Everton away from home has done a nice job limiting chances as well. They, they limited Brighton to an XG of just 0.44 in that game in the 1-1 draw last week. And that's despite only having 20% of the ball. Like Brathwaite, like they've done a nice job, like kind of playing that Daichian style of football, but adding a little bit of attacking flair when the time requires it. It was nil-nil in this fixture last season. Um and I can see a similarly low-scoring game. I'm going to go both teams to score no and under 2.5 at plus 114. And that shifted out from plus 118 as well. If you like that kind of play, then go on and, and make that play. I can see a 1-0-0-0 playing out in this game. No doubt about that. Uh, I'll be, famous last words, I'd be surprised if this turns out to be a high-scoring fixture. So we'll make that play. Famous last words. Uh, let's talk this one. This this one could be more interesting than what's potentially advertised. Bournemouth, not a great team whatsoever, but they're playing a Newcastle team that are absolutely getting crushed by injuries who lost 2-0 to Dortmund midweek. They're without Wilson and Isak leading the line. 11 players out through injury or suspension uh, ahead of this one as well. Uh, Bruno suspended as well this weekend, uh, taking away yet another player from the midfield, joining the likes of Dan Byrne. Matty targets out like they're going deep into the number of players that are out through injury now. Is there enough there to to still there to back Newcastle in this game, or do you have to consider a Bournemouth play here? 
Um, yeah, I didn't consider any play here whatsoever. Um, I've been burned by Newcastle away a few times already this season, and that coupled with the fact that they have these this mountain injury list, which just seems to be getting bigger by the game. Um, obviously, suspensions adding to that. Midweek football um, on top of midweek football. I can't really be looking at back in Newcastle personally, even at this price, which looked fairly okay against a team that you'd expect to be struggling down the bottom end of the table. But um, yeah, even having said that, I'm not seeing anywhere near enough from Bournemouth to suggest that I yeah. can make a pro Bournemouth play. So I'm, I'm steering clear of this one. That complete no bet for me. Like Newcastle done really well, went through a difficult run of games, but I don't know what that team's going to look like. And I don't know what they have left in the tank for this one as well. Not enough to back Bournemouth as well. So consensus, no bet for both Jake and I. Uh, seventh place, Brighton take on bottom of the table, yet a team with a win to their record in Sheffield United. Do you have a play for this one? <laughs> Sorry, but no, this is another no bet. This is three no bets on the spin. They're my only three no bets, um, but we just happened to have reeled them off back to back to back. Okay. Um, yeah, no, nothing for me here. I think the, the lines look about right and... Yeah, I, I just think it's one of the more one-sided fixtures this weekend, which is why the prices are all off kilter and trying to find a little bit of value is, I found difficult. So okay, I'm, left alone. I'm, I'm making uh, a ballsy play here, okay? Because Brighton, they play such good attacking football. They do play Ajax away on Thursday. But I think that they can... They're so much better than Sheffield United. I'll be shocked if Sheffield United are on the ball much at all, which is making me make a play. And it's going to happen one of these games. A Brighton clean sheet. A Brighton win combined with a clean sheet at plus 119. I just, yeah, like Brighton plays wide open, but Sheffield United is required to be on the ball to actually score a goal. And I just don't think they will play it away at the Amex this weekend. So a Brighton clean sheet. Uh, win to nil uh, at plus 119. So that's my fourth home side, which is vastly or should be vastly superior to the team that's coming into play. Uh, a win to nil this week. It's the win to nil week here on EPL Insights. And finally, never, sorry, go ahead. Never, ever thought, I never thought I'd hear you say the words Brighton and nil in the same sentence. That's why I think there's some value. You think Sheffield United is going to score against Brighton? I just I wouldn't put it past them. Come on. Do you watch this team play like their XG yeah, oh, where's the number? Their their XG what? away from home in five away games, which they've lost every one. They're combined in five games, their expected goals away for Sheffield United, two point five three according to Understat. Like that's dog's breakfast. Brighton can play this game blindfolded in their sleep. I think you can play for three days, and I'd say that Sheffield like United won't score. Be quite so. amusing. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, Brighton. Have, I, I see where you're coming from, but Brighton have had real struggles with teams that sit back and counterattack, and you know, are happy to take twenty percent possession of the ball. They've had real struggles, kind of beating those teams. So um, that would be my only slight reservation. Obviously, West Ham with a blueprint. Uh, Villa did a very good job in that ma- that form as well. Um, Everton tried it at the weekend, nearly got a result. It was a late, late, um, late goal for Brighton. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not saying Sheffield United are going to turn into prime Man City and and rock up there and you know, create loads of chances. But I, I don't know. I could see them. I could see them nicking maybe like a, a goal from the corner. I, or I'm actually like shocked that this is coming out of your mouth right now. 
not only in terms of like your internal bias, but Sheffield, they won their one game good on the, it's back to normal business, um, this weekend. We got to wrap this up. 12th place West Ham against 13th place Nottingham Forest. Uh, this should actually be a pretty decent game. Uh, last year in this fixture, West Ham smashed Forest 4-0. Forest have been great at home. Can you back them away from home against West Ham, Jake? Um, not not really. I won't be looking to back them to win the game. I think they could get a positive result, though. Um, they've been a really difficult team to break down uh, when played away from home, which has been a bit of a change from last season. And, you know, that I mentioned it last week uh, on the podcast that when I was back in Villa to beat them at Forest, that I'd not seen enough from them at home because they'd only played um, teams that you'd expect to be in and around the bottom. So they played the three promoted teams plus Brentford at home. It's been the complete opposite away from home. They played already played at Anfield. They played at the Etihad. They played at Stamford Bridge. They played at Old Trafford and they played at the Emirates. So they've had a really difficult away schedule um, and they've hung in there in pretty much every game. Like they haven't been hammered in any of them. I know Liverpool did give them a 3-0 defeat, but Forest were okay. And I, I would probably say Anfield's the toughest place to go. I can see them making it difficult for West Ham. I, I touched on it last week, West Ham's attacking issues. I know they scored twice at Brentford, but you know before that, they really struggled to create opportunities. And, and I think Forest could cause them a bit of frustration. It's always interesting when you get two teams that want to play in the similar style, where they kind of both want to play in that semi-deep block and spring and uh, fast counter-attack. Neither of them really want the ball. Neither of them really are possession-based teams. Um, so I, I definitely straight away looked at unders and, and to see the line at 2.75 as opposed to 2.5, which is what I was expecting, um, that, that had me down straight away. Um, you sold me at 2.75. So yeah, I'm, I'm taking that play, uh, minus 116. Consider that, absolutely. Just going to go straight up West Ham win here. They betrayed me on the last two occasions. This time we set things right. Come on, David Moyes. Polina's back in the team. Alvarez back in the team. Both were out. They're playing Olympiacos at home on Thursday. Back-to-back home fixtures. Forest, as good as they are at home. You know, I, I know they play good teams, but even last season, dogs breakfast away. So come on, West Ham. A win at minus 111. So that's the board this week. Do you have a best bet or a favorite play this week, Jake? Probably Villa on the handicap. Yeah, the ones that I like um, for all the reasons we discussed. I mean, Fulham, I think they're just mid to low pack of the 20. They're struggling to create chances. And Villa have turned Villa Park into probably the one of the toughest away grounds to visit right now. Um, so, yeah, that's my favorite play. Okay. Um Let's go. I like all my bets as per usual. My record on the season speaks volume. Uh, let's 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 go. The Palace Everton. Both teams have scored no under two and a half. I know it's a combo bet, but still, <laughs> I I'd be sh- famous last words. I'd be shocked if it's a high scoring game. I keep an eye okay. out for Pinnacle's ATP Tour Finals preview available on betting resources. Will Novak Djokovic defend his crown in Turin? We're about to find out. All the markets available and the best numbers you can find at Pinnacle. Good stuff again, Jake, uh, this week. We'll do it again in a couple weeks. Enjoy the international window as well. I know how much you love international football. Oh, it's my favorite time of year. Really is. Let's just cram another international break just as we're getting you know, yeah, know. a little bit of a run and a little bit of a feel and how the season's going. 
Um, why don't they just put all the internationals in like a month and a half at the end of the season? Why do they have to do it in between? Keep us on our toes. Keep us apart from one Mm. another. It's a big uh, window (laughs) for me uh, as I'll be on comms for Canada, Jamaica, home and away. It's a Copa America qualifier for next summer. So the stakes are high and a number of Premier League players, five of them, I think, have been called into the Jamaican national team as well. So looking forward to being on the comms for those five games on one soccer if you're watching in Canada. On behalf of Jake and everyone at Pinnacle, I am Gareth Wheeler. This has been EPL Insights for Game Week 12 in the Premier League.